Hey, listeners, here we are. We're back again. So, hope you liked part one. It was a really fascinating insight into the climb of Mount Everest with the man, Gilo Gerardo. Oop, Gerardo, sorry. Um, Stuff my Spanish up there. Gerardo Lopez. And uh, today, we've got part two. So, part two, just like part one, is more of a sit-down with, uh, with Gilo. This time, we're going to talk about the, uh, the diet and the training in preparation for a climb like Mount Everest. We're also going to go into his preparations for what he's up to at the moment, which is climbing the most dangerous peak in the world and the pinnacle of mountaineering, which is K2 in Pakistan. Gilo in this podcast mentioned to us that one in... Two people that make it to the summit of K2 don't come back. Uh, they die, basically. I read some different stats. I think it was one in four I read now. I don't know who's right. I'm going to probably go with Gerardo. Anyway, the moral of the story is this is a mental uh, climb that he's going to be going through, and it's really good to delve into the mind of somebody who loves mountaineering and loves the feeling of being atop the mountain so much that he's willing to really uh, risk his life and put everything on the line for it. So it's another great show. Before we get into the show, I'm going to go through our sponsors. So, we got a new sponsor today. Audible is now a sponsor of the podcast. Audible is the home to the widest selection of digital audiobooks, including bestsellers, new releases, exclusives, and more. Listen anytime, anywhere on your tablet, mobile, or desktop with our free app, with their free app. Audible is offering AdventureFit Radio listeners a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out audible.com to download your free audiobook go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash advf radio again that is audibletrial.com forward slash advf radio for your free audiobook i recommend getting the audiobook the martian i listened to it last year and it was like watching a fucking awesome movie in my head for about 10 hours. It was insane. If you haven't seen the movie, don't see the movie. Get the audiobook. You can get it for free. www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. This podcast is also brought to you by Loxam Solutions. Loxam Solutions is a boutique consulting and business support company focused on business consulting and commercial services. The key to their success has been through the application of a pragmatic approach combined with entrepreneurial spirit to achieve their clients' outcomes. Their philosophy is simple. Deliver well-defined, measurable business outcomes to their clients through the engagement of subject matter experts with real-world experience. You've heard me say it before, but they can be found at www.locksamsolutions.com.au. Also, we're sponsored by NDO Subs. NDO Subs, guys, get behind these guys. Max swears by them. You want to treat your recovery properly, then treat it with NDO Subs. Head to www.ndosubs.com and use ADVF Radio when purchasing to get your 10% off. And lastly, let's see if I can get this one without stopping it up. This podcast is brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. AdventureFit Travel is an adventure travel company for the fitness community. It's my company. It's our company. It's the company and the, uh, the parent company of this lovely podcast. And it's, uh, it's just really great fun, guys. We've got some cool stuff coming up. We've got a couple of tickets left on our uh, CrossFit Games trip for all you CrossFitters out there. Getting quick there. We've also got a stack of seats left, a uh, stack of tickets left, sorry, on Everest Base Camp for uh, this September. I went twice last year to Everest Base Camp. Mac, my co 
host of this podcast, came with me on one of the trips. That's how we became such bros. That's why we're on this podcast together now. You'll make friends for life. You'll see the Kumbu region. You'll see Mount Everest. You'll have a ball. So get on www.adventurefittravel.com to check us out. Well, that's it from me. Now it's time for part two with Gerardo Lopez. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? So, Gerardo. Very nice. <laughs> no, uh, now I'm an Italian, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, let's get back to Everest. Uh, it's been an amazing story so far. We want to learn some more. Uh, I want to dig deeper into your training. What type of training? What mountains did you climb? I know you briefly mentioned on it earlier, but we want to know the, uh, the mental side and the physical side and how many months it took to prepare, just so we can uh, provide any information to any listeners out there that are thinking about taking the climb. I think from the time I decided I was going to make it, uh, I was going to go climb Everest to the time I climbed it, it was about 18 months of preparation. Um, the first thing is obviously get your mind in the, in the zone. You're going to do it. That's all you're going to do because all your training, it has to be sort of really looking forward to, to that time. Um, at that time, I was living in Los Angeles. Um, so it was uh, very um, flat. Mm. Um, so I've... What I what I what I what I managed to do there is um, I live um, about maybe 10 k's from a sand dune that it was about 300 meters tall, so that was awesome. Going for a run on a sand dune is just uh, pretty 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 um, uh, powerful, but at the same time it's a lot of endurance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard, and getting on a sand dune 300 meters tall, running yeah, is, is 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 hard. And that was my training. That was my training. Just going there every day. Uh, making sure that I was at least doing um, two two meters more, three meters more until I actually got to the top. And then once I got to the top, now do it two times, three times, four times. Right. It's it's all about to you to to me. It was all about um, um, heart um, endurance. So making making sure that the heart was very very strong. The lungs had that capacity <coughs> to carry all that oxygen. Um, but also the mental push to face that hill every time. I'd correct. Running on sands, tough as it is to go uphill 300 meters. And and you said it. I think the the fact that you were there every day, mm. and it was hard because every day for for at least two or three hundred times you there doing it, doing it, doing it. And you're like, again, again, yeah. and again. It's mentally challenging. And then when you have to go to say camp three, then back down to camp two, you're like, oh, I've got to climb this same route again. Again, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that mental part is very, very important. The technical side of climbing and, and the altitude, I already had it. I've, I've been climbing for such a long time that yeah. I already had all of that. So I wasn't worried about that. I was more worried about I need to be in the best shape of my life, mm. um, which is I need endurance. I need, I need to be able to move quickly because when you're going in, in a Kumbu icefall, you need to move quickly. 
So you need, to, you need to have that rhythm in your heart that is like your heart is pounding and you keep going, going, going. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Keep going, keep going. It's, it's all that, you know, that kind of training. Circuits, um, a lot of um, running, but running full speed as far as you can. Uh, and then just um, uh, relax for a little bit and then do it again and then do it again. Feel like your heart is just coming out and then do it again mm. and then do it again. And, and would then you do say this is for an hour each day, you just get up first thing you do and then you go to work or this is... Uh, morning, lunchtime, evening. It was. I was. I was working out twice a day. So yep. I would wake up at five, do my five to seven, then go to work, and then after work, I will um, go to the gym and do different things, different circuits, things. Yeah. So you it run, was, run in the morning, maybe for example, and then do a do a workout in the afternoon yeah, to mix but, it up. But workout is not. It was. It wasn't too much about uh, lifting weights and, yeah. and putting a lot of muscle. Yeah, the circuit, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah. Just lots of reps and, and, and pushing push the body push through yeah. all the motions. Yeah, yeah. pushing, cool. pushing. Swimming, very good mm-hmm. for that. Um, breathing, you know, controlling yes. your breathing. Yep. It's very good, the swimming for, for all of this. Um, but that was basically it. It was, it was the more, I think 80% of what it takes to climb Everest is in your head. Mm. The other 20% is physical. And, and what about mental training? Do you have any mental practices you put into place? One of our questions in our in our nine from nine final segment is about meditation, but we can talk about it now. Do you do you have any mental game that you uh, or any any tactics and tricks that you use? See, I think one of the most important things about climbing and climbing Everest is getting to know yourself and being your best friend because mm-hmm. you're going to spend a lot of time with you. Yes, when you're climbing, there's tons of people around you, and you guys experience that. Not much conversation, even no. even on Everest Base Camp. You I know, mean, that was the that was my most enjoyable part was the four hours of being in your own headspace. Yeah, and you know, you might talk to like, for instance, Bill and I shared some really funny and elaborate stories and then for another few hours you'll just be by yourself and you can choose to talk to someone if you want to you can walk at the front of the pack the back of the pack and you can just be in your own headspace and that is what I enjoyed the most and that's what changed me as a person correct yeah and that's exactly what at the level that you need to be you need to be happy to be spending one two three days by mm. on your own and that part of the training mm. as, as you're talking about is you know you go for three days of a hike mm. on your own but it's not boring is it no. I don't listen to thinking oh that's boring you're just by yourself you discover yourself and you learn and you have breakthroughs and you solve the world's problems and you just <laughs> you just grow as you an know, individual you, yeah I, I'd like to know what you where your where your revelations and stuff like what what do you mean by that yourself Mac I mean I had some great times where I was walking by myself where I'd think about some stuff with adventure fits some paths I want to go down with my life I suppose and I, I'd, I'd really I remember just specifically having one day where I solidified this plan and I was really excited. I didn't speak to anyone for a few hours and mm. I was just trekking along and I had this, I can't remember exactly what it was, something that I wanted to implement and I decided upon it, uh, upon it on my head. But probably, I don't probably, I really enjoyed it. I probably didn't get as deep into it as what you did. Can you elaborate more on what you mean? Uh, the sort of the stories are irrelevant now. There was some certain people in my life that I needed to connect to. I just had a lot of... Uh, uh, just a lot of personal breakthroughs where I wanted to go in life, what sort of life meant. Um, just a real good deep think. Oh, yeah. Mm. And just uh, that was sort of the, the that opened paths to, you know, meditation. And mm. uh, it opened paths to career and money and just personal development. And, and You probably don't get that chance with... Your, your iPhone in your pocket as well. Well, I was just going to say... Because <laughs> like, you, you don't have that. You, don't. you finally got a chance to just clear your mind and just in your own head I suppose yeah yeah. and you just mm. uh, not that I had any demons but you just solve all the problems I came back so motivated I just knew where I was going I knew mm. what I needed to do 
and I, I woke up looking forward just to continuing on the thought from yesterday mm-hmm. and just living the simple life, you know. It was it was an extremely enjoyable period and uh, it definitely wasn't boring at all being by yourself. And that's the most important thing, you know. Um, if, you, if, you can, if you're not afraid of um, being lonely and you can pass that level, mm. then you're there, you know. You have 50% there. The other 50% is pushing, pushing, pushing. Hurts. Yes, it hurts, but you can do more than this, you mm. can do more than this. But that 50% of being on your own and talking to you, because yeah. you're going to be talking to you a but lot. You're not, you're not searching for approval. In, in you no. know, When you come back to, we're in Melbourne now, you come back and you've got your friends and family and social media and you know you post up this and you send a, I don't know, what do people do, Snapchat and you, you, <laughs> you're always trying to search for people's approval. You have nothing to prove out there. You no. know, you're by yourself, you just do what you want to do and you do it. Uh, with the people that you're surrounded with and life is simple and it's fantastic. And you discover new things about yourself. For example, I didn't know that I, I was good at cooking until I actually spent time on my own and I was, you know, I was cooking mm. and, and as you said, you do, you're not looking for approval from anybody so, mm. but you still want to do something good and then you keep trying new things and you just mix this with the other. Why not? Nobody else is going to try it. It's just going to be me and that's how I discovered that. And you're not in a rush? Yeah, you're, you're not in a rush. What are you rushing for? Exactly. And then that's how I discovered I was good at food. It was in my career, and now I made it my career. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, sw- I moved from being a, a consultant, an IT consultant, to being a, a food person by spending a lot of time cooking and, and experimenting. Yeah. No yeah. rush, you said. Yeah, that's correct. That's cool. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the physical training. I want to know exactly um, which mountains or, or what's kind of a prerequisite for a climber. What's the, what's the minimum amount of... 7,000 meter peaks or, or what do you have to go through what do you have to tick off to actually try and summit Everest in your opinion I, I don't think this 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 such a requirement mm-hmm. uh, per se because uh, I've seen people that have never done any mountains and have gone and climb Everest without yep. anything else before in their lives but also I've seen um, athletes um, uh, ultra marathoners ultramans going and trying Everest and failing what would you Everest. recommend what did you what did you do or what, what's like a basic plan that you think someone should apply because there's a lot of people myself included when mm-hmm. i did base camp with mac and and uh adventure fit ran two last year i was uh, i was over in the kumbu region twice and i was beginning to do the research myself i was oh, i wonder what it actually takes mm-hmm. i've climbed a five and a half thousand, uh, thousand meter mountain in bolivia yep. very non-technical mm-hmm. but um yeah i started to do the research myself and just for people out there like what do you think what if you were to put a no, I, I definitely think that um, you definitely need to go first to the 5,000, sort of 6,000, because that's, a, that's sort of the first, the first boundary. Even 4,000 is your first mm-hmm. boundary. People feel it. You know, when people go to Machu Picchu and all these places, they feel it. I had a they, friend who couldn't, fi- who couldn't handle La Paz. Exactly. And he walk around the streets. And <gasps> really? And and he oh, just, he was falling apart. Mm. The way that I look at it, and, and there's no... Um, um, uh, medicine is so fascinated with all this about um, high altitude because they still haven't figured out what makes a person different to another in tolerating the altitude. Mm. Yes, you carry more uh, blood cells and stuff like that, but still there is something where some people are better equipped and prepared mm. to, to, to climb high altitudes than others. And there's no connection other than maybe, yeah, this person lived in a high altitude before, but other than that, there's not a lot. Um, so... The answer to that is you need to start getting your bo- knowing your body. So if you already made it to 4,000 and you struggle, 
most likely it's going to be very hard yeah, to, to, to think about um, a thousand. So you need to progress. You need to go from the four to the five to the six, then to the seven. When you get to the seven, you can decide to think either I'm going to give it a shot mm-hmm. or I may attempt another 8,000 like I did the Choyu, which mm-hmm. is a six highest mountain, but it's an easy 8,000 meters. Um, and, and that sort of gets you into, into, into that space. And now you know that you're capable of doing it. Um, but again, nobody knows themselves better but by yourself. You know, you, you know who you are, you know where your limits are, and it's just <coughs> testing those limits yep. one at a time. And then it will tell you, your body will tell you how much you can go. Cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's the part do you think that goes first for, for most people that really sort of struggle with that sort of stuff? Do you think it's mental or physical where they just really die? Um, I think it's mental. Yeah. I think it's mental. Yeah. Um, I'm I'll, assuming as well, yeah. It, a lot of people in, 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 in mountains like Everest, every, anytime somebody dies, every time something happens, you see a lot of people just packing up and leaving because it wasn't the physical part. It was that anemic part of them saying, if that person dies, oh sorry, that person actually shit it happened. That person died. I could mm. die here. Mm. He gets that oh wow moment, and then everybody goes down. Yep. And they already know the risk going in. They that, yeah, know well, like the chances that they. But they never see it becomes yeah. real when they're up there. Exactly. Yeah. Is that reality? Right. Is that reality? A lot of people when they face the, the Kumbu Icefall, they just turn back. Really? Yeah. They just wow. they just look at it and like, I can't do this. So people go, go to how how. Uh, how high up is that? Um, it's the first, uh, as you leave base camp into camp one, yep. it's maybe 45 minutes from, from base camp, you're facing com- And they're already turning back from that yeah. that place there. They yeah. just know that there's no way they can yeah. do it. God, it's amazing. Imagine spending all the time, money, effort, training, yeah, and then just right. getting there and saying, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it. Without and even giving it a crippled, go, though, that's what I find interesting. Yeah. I, um, but I can attest to that. The, the mountain I climbed in Bolivia, <clears throat> it got to a point where there was no ice climbing, so no ice picks and, um, uh, and so forth. But we got to a point where, and it was Wayne Potosi's sister mountain, and I can't, I've tried my hardest to research back. This is about six years ago. I can't find what the name of the mountain was. But we got to, towards the summit, and there was, we were walking along the snow, snowy ridge, mm-hmm. and it was one foot after the other. It was stomp, 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 stomp. Stomp, 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 stomp. It was probably probably take 10 seconds per step because each side you have hundreds of meters of just sheer, you're just going to fall. There's rocks strewn all through, mm-hmm. the, through, the, through, the, um, through the mountain. So we walked for about, felt like an hour along this snowy ridge and then it got to like a rocky outcrop where um, we had a guy, Don someone, Don, uh, Don, Don Pablo, I think his name was. Bradman. <laughs> and, uh, anyway he was uh, he was our leader we were all all we were was tied together we were tied there was five of us tied and we had about two meters of rope in between and he got to this rocky outcrop he um, jumped up and then he said right okay you guys got to get up here what you got to do is you got to put your hand here you got to put your hand uh, your foot here and you've got to pull yourself and grab this rock here and <clears throat> throughout the whole trip there was two experienced mountaineers the guide myself and a german guy the, American, uh, the, the Mountaineers were American. They were very well-versed. They were very competent, very um, confident. And then there was me who was confident enough, not that well-versed, but getting through it well. And there was the German guy who was like, oh my God, I can't do this, I can't do this. And he was kind of stressing me out because yeah. he was so, his mental game was yeah. off, but he, we couldn't leave him. He was coming the whole way. Yeah. Or we were all turned around. So he was kind of coming along for the ride. And I was fine. I was nervous inside, but I didn't show it externally. But I got to this rocky outcrop and that what had happened was um, 
the German guy had gone second, so um, our guide had helped him up, and I got to the rocky outcrop, and I stood there, hands on the right hands on the right rock, left hands uh, left foot's on the uh, on the left rock, and then I've got to push off and grab this third rock, and I stood there and I went, oh, you know, one, two, three, and I got to the point I was I don't think anyone would have been able to tell, but I was fucking shitting yeah, myself. You gotta take that yeah. leap, don't you? Yeah, and I I had my hands on the rock. And I turned around to the two American guys. I said, can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> really? Boys. Yeah. And I, there was nothing. All I had to do was like, it's probably about a foot and a half. I could mm. push off and I'm tied to the guys. Like I'm not yeah. going anywhere. No. But it was like a foot off, push and a half and grab this rock and I was fine. But I was legitimately sh- shell-shocked. So like, could you fr- see, just to put it into perspective for the listeners, you could see a big drop under you or just... Yeah, so right hand and left hand side was like, I can't really, it was a total wide out, yep. but you could see probably 50 to 100 meters of like gradual descent and there was just rocks coming out all, all the, um, through all both right. sides of the mountain. And yeah, I, I turned around really calmly. I turned mm. around to the guys, I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> and then I ended up, I ended up doing it. The okay. guys were like, no nah, man, you've done great. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. But, but for that split second, it, it felt like an eternity. I was looking at this one little maneuver and I'm like, I can't fucking do this. Yep. So I totally know the feeling to be paralyzed by fear. I, but the thing is, you, you went and did it. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. It was cool. I did it. But what I did was I pushed off a rock a foot and a half and grabbed another rock with my left hand. <laughs> These guys are going the Kumbu, you know, the Kumbu Ice Vault. So what I meant is I can see... Mm. Looking at such a oh, of course, such such a, a site like that, crevasses and rope ladders, and um, it's just once you uh, get this through the Kumbu, though, it's it's uh, it's not too bad. I, I can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to climb up the top. Is that, is that a, is that a statement? Well, well, let me tell you. <laughs> My research says this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's funny, funny what the mine will do. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So we want to before we finish um, up, we've got we've got a. I think I've got a few more questions to ask yeah, Mac, Mac does okay. as well. We want to go into your next, um, your next adventure, which will be K2. So I'm right to say you're in training for K2? That's correct. So K2, the research that I've done, I, I know a little bit about it. It's obviously very, very high up near the Everest range. I think it's 8,600 or so um, in the Pakistan. Sec- second highest in uh, the world. The world. It is world, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. There you but, go. but it's not the se- it's not even the seven summits. Or, it's not in one of the seven summits, correct? No, it's not. Because it's in Asia. Because yep. it's the second in Asia yes. behind Everest. Yeah, yeah, yep. correct. So, but this is known as the world's most dangerous climb, basically. It's the pinnacle of mountaineering. Yes. So, what's well? What are you thinking, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I was, as I was telling before, I think um, one of the things, one of the disillusions of Everest was it was too commercial. Mm. There was all these things about the politics of climbing and the ropes and mm. uh, you this and you the other and and I'm better than you and you're better than me and all this stuff that um, it was a little bit of the solution for me. Yes, it was a massive achievement and it was a great thing, but that was a, that the solution. So coming back from Everest, as adventures, adventure people that we are, mm. we're always looking for something else. Always, you can't just just sit back and say. Well, that's it, you know, what else? Mm. Um, I'm going to just leave on the memoirs of Everest. Um, so I was Especially at this age. I know. You've got many cl- good climbing years ahead of you. So and as, as a climber, you're, if you're talking to other climbers, you would uh, you'd choose K2 over Everest. You'd be like, I climbed that. You'd instantly have more respect than I've done Everest. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Wow. And um, there's not a lot of people, not many people know that, hey? 
No. It's really interesting. I didn't even know that. I thought Everest was the pinnacle of climbing, but clearly this one is... Is it way more dangerous than Everest? Like, how, how much more are we talking? Um, the, the statistics are... Um, on Everest, is a, from every 10 that make it to the summit, one will die. Oh, Some, wow. Something like that. That's insane. On, on K2, it's 50%. F- what? So it's like... <laughs> oh. It's like... It's something, Good luck, man. Something about, it's like I don't start, think I can starting the summit eyebrows. with somebody and they're like, oh, it's going to be either you or me, you know? Oh, <laughs> my God. Um... It has improved. It has improved with time. Um, but still, it's a very dangerous mountain. Uh, first of all, because it doesn't have all the infrastructure. It's Pakistan. You're not trek- when you trek on Everest, you have all the tea houses going mm, up and yep. the yaks and all the commerce going through and f- back and forth. There's just no infrastructure. As soon as you start the, the trail to, um, to the base camp, which is a little bit longer than, than Everest, takes about 10 days right. um, um, just to get to, to base camp. Um, there's no infrastructure. There's nothing. So basically, you have an army of people, and there's no yaks. Um, so it's people carrying, porters carrying everything for you. So mm. for an expedition of maybe 10 people, you have about 500 people. Really? Wow. Just following, going on the track with uh, all the supplies that you're going to need for, for the time that you're going to be there. So Very expensive. I, I was just going to say, what's the cost difference it's, between it's that? Not, it's actually, it's ac- well, for a non com non-commercial expedition is roughly the same price okay. as Everest. Right. And what is the cost of Everest these days? <sighs> Commercially, I don't know. Um, it used to be around $60,000 though. I've say, actually got some stats come, here. Come I've, down. I've got, written mate? cost of Everest, uh, the lowest is 30k, uh, up to 80k, uh, average is about 45 and it depends mm. whether you're going from the Tibetan side or the Nepal on the Nepalese side. Correct. Um, and there's about 10k in difference. But and how much do you pay when you climb it, Mac? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> www. So, <laughs> so uh, K two is on the sixties, basically. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, so it's that higher end, and the, the higher, and the yeah. higher end. But because of the lack of um, infrastructure, yes. Um, so this this K two has more challenge because there's not that many teams on the mountain. You have to do a lot more work. You have to set up more more ra- more ropes. Isn't the weather more treacherous as well in K two? Correct. You're very close to Siberia, yep. so um, weather comes in and just wipes people from the mountain and. The, the thing with K2 is that the last bit, as you move from Camp 4 uh, to the summit, basically you're facing a, a, a little bit of a Kumbu icefall in front of you. So bring, it's basically bring a, a big chunk of the, of the Kumbu icefall and putting on Camp 4 really? and then go from there. So is the weather on both Everest and K2, when you, when you just said, I think you said it comes and it just wipes people off the mountain, with the, the deaths on both mountains... How much of that is attributed to weather? Storms getting stuck, just a lot. Whiteouts. I, I think a lot um, mm. because, especially when when people die close to the summit, coming from the summit, going to the summit. Um, first of all, because people um, spend too much time on the mountain, they should be turning back. People yeah. don't do. Get therefore, get therefore, the weather comes in. Mm. Um, Everest is a little bit more predictable when it comes to to the weather, but still, um, weather rolls in uh, in the afternoon all the time. We know that we know that it's going to get um, um, a little bit difficult to climb through, through the weather. Um, so it, it does have a lot of things to play with uh, with Everest. But it's a little more controllable. In K2, it's just the weather comes out of nowhere because the Karakorum is not as extensive as the Himalaya. So the Himalayan will sort of contain a little bit of that uh, weather as it comes through all the mountains. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the whole thing. Whereas in K2 is K2 it, it's broke exposed. Peak. Yeah. It's exposed, exactly. Yeah. So there's not there's not much. If if the weather wants to come in, it will come in and we'll give you no uh, warning. 
um, which makes it very, very challenging. Um, but like everything, you know, um, Everest is climbable maybe five days out of the year. K2 the same. You just need to be lucky. Cause Do you say Everest is climbable only five days? Out of the year. During to actually the, summit. During, during the spring. And then there's another season during the, um, the autumn as well, uh, or the fall. Um, so people are in preparation for climbing throughout that whole time. Right. They're just waiting for that day to summit. That's what you mean, right? That, that's what yeah. I mean. So um, on, on Everest K2 and all this, um, basically the, the wind on the top of Everest normally is about the 150 to 200 k's an hour. That, that's a jet, jet stream, as, they, as we call it, for yeah. the planes to go faster on the, on the yeah. air. Mm. You're, you're basically at almost the same altitude as a 7-7 as a um, Jumbo 777 will fly. Yeah. That's the jet stream that they're using. As the monsoon rolls into the uh, into the region or exits the region, there's a there's a few days where this wind drops to 40 k's an hour. That's the only time during oh, the year that no. Everest is climbable. Wow! And that's the same with K2. Now, like with any other weather report in the world, especially in Melbourne, you cannot predict what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and when you're leaving from base camp, you're still five days away from the summit. Mm. There's no weather report in the world that is going to tell you what's going to happen in five years. You, sorry, five years, five days. But you can have sort of a little bit of an idea based on trends, based on different weather reports. We get weather reports from Switzerland, from Nepal, from Australia, from mm-hmm. uh, London, from everywhere. You get all of that together and say, I think it will be this day. And when we climb Everest, um, um, it was we started in a team of 12, only four of us set up for the summit, um, and only two of us made it. Really? Um, why, why is that? Um, one of my fellow climbers that we were sharing the tent going up, he got sick. I got sick on camp one going up. Right. Uh, I started developing a little bit of a, um, a tummy upset, uh, a virus that I caught, but I managed to recover when I was in camp four, mm-hmm. a little bit too late. He started getting in the camp three. He was then going to recover. It was too, 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 too late for him. So he had to turn back. And another guy... Did you say... I was looking at my notes for a second. Yeah. Was that... Was he having haste? Hape? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, he really was or? just a virus. Just, just a virus. Just, just sick. A, just sick. Just a bacteria right. developing. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. That's, that's really that's unlucky, that, isn't it? Mm. That was very unfortunate because um, I really developed a good um, team sort of a spirit with this guy and he was, he was working very well. Um, so anyway, so we set up for the summit thinking that the day that the weather is, the window, it was going to open, it was the 18th. So we're going to be ready on the 17th in Camp 4 to push that night. So the 18th, we're going to be summiting. Mm-hmm. We got there on the 17th. It was horrible weather. We were supposed to leave at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. came. Wind wasn't cooperating. We spent an extra night. We said, all right, we'll try next next day. If by 3 p.m. next day, the, way the, the wind hasn't cooled down, we'll have to go down to come two. And then hopefully, because you spend one Regroup. day coming down, you need to regroup there, yep. and then you're still two days away from the summit. So if the window was going to open on our way down, we will be sort of towards the end of that window. The window sometimes only opens for three days. There's years that it doesn't open. Mm-hmm. You're so there, and if it doesn't uh, open. Oh, that's, yeah, that's unlucky, isn't it? Yeah. How does that many, a lot? Sorry, Maka. Does that happen a lot where people get there and they'll prepare everything, yep. and then there's just no window at yep. all? Yeah, it has happened. Oh. How many days would you allow to sit and wait? <sighs> well, you're not supposed to wait in Camp 4. <laughs> Uh, so that was a decision. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yep. You, you make it, you're doing a lot of damage to your body. Yep. You're losing a lot of... Um, you. Basically, it's like you were running nonstop. 
Your yeah. heart is just like boom, 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 boom. So you're running, running, well, running. Well, I lost six kilo just in that trip, and we were only at a nowhere near the altitude that you guys were. Yeah, exactly. And and you, because you're I, I, personally, I feel like my stomach wasn't working, and and because your body is very smart, your body only wants to keep alive your brain and your heart, so the rest of your body starts switching off. Mm. So your stomach doesn't work. You you know you don't have appetite. You don't pee. You don't poo. You, basically, you are dying, and mm. your body's making the best to keep you alive. So you don't feel like eating. Basically, you're running for 24 hours without eating, mm-hmm. and the next day you off for the summit. You know, it's it's. So you give yourself two days, and then if it's not there, you'd go back, and then and then try again. And if it's on that, what happens? Ooh, you're you're stuck in a rock and a hard place because what happens if you're on the way down because you spent two and days there, up. and then it's and then you still two days down and two is up, and then it's open. You. Tough, tough yeah. pickies. Yeah, and then that's a lot of people don't make it because of the fact that they never, never find that window. Wow. Uh, it's, 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 and, and this is where the mental part plays one more time on Everest, where is um, you may be you may be sitting sitting tired in base camp, mm. and expeditions are leaving, and you're like maybe they're gonna get it right, maybe they're gonna get the window, but I'm sitting here tired. Yeah. Or you are one of the first like we did, one of the first ones leaving, and you're like you know. Maybe the guys they're hold, all sitting holding back. back. Maybe they know they're gonna more. get it right, and because mm. we're gonna gonna expose ourselves to the elements, and we're just gonna spend more time in the altitude, where these guys coming behind us, they're gonna hit it off, and you don't know. And mm. again, politics and a lot of things going on the way, mm. um, and all these mental things going on with you, and you just need to control yourself. You just yeah. need to know that what you're doing is the best based on whatever information you have and whatever trust you have in the people that are around you. And just go with it. And that's why your experience, uh, you know, came up on top over a uh, guided expedition, isn't it? Yeah. It sounds like there d- definitely would be a lot of frustrations. And you mentioned the word mm. politics, but just little thing, you know, little things here and there that can can eat away. And a lot of the stuff is just out of your control. Like you can't decide to to go with, you know, Group A or Group B, and little thing. You just feel very, very. Um, you know, at will to the to the dangers of the mountain. I wanted to touch on um, some of the nutritional mm-hmm. things that you did to prepare for the for the mountain. We spoke a little bit about your your physical training and, and all that sort of stuff. Is it right that um, you know, in terms of diet, you would want to put on a little bit of fat and that sort of thing to to use it as an energy source when you start to go up? Is that something you really had to to think about? Yep. And yeah. So uh, your training, your normal training uh, on a day to day basis, is very very hard. Um, but the last month before you leave, you stop all that training. You you sort of reach that point where you feel like you um, have the level of fitness that you want. And then it's all about eating mm. and putting that extra weight. Yeah, you start lifting a little bit more just to put those extra muscle uh, mass that you want. But it's a lot of fat, a lot of eating. Ice cream for <laughs> lunch, for dinner, really? for oh, everything. Yeah. How much weight did you put on? Um, I tried to put about 10, but I only managed to put about 7. Kilograms. Kilograms. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Before I left. In a month. Yeah. And how much That's did you... That's a lot of weight in one yeah. month. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of ice cream. It is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that'd be amazing. It Come before awesome. the storm, hey? It's like awesome. You just do whatever you always wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And how much like, weight did you lose coming uh, off the whole trip? 21. <laughs> so what were you weighing in at when you started off with the seven kilos, with the extra seven kilos? I was about 80. 80 kilos. So I you're norm- down to 59. I, I normally said I'm only yep. 72. that is uh that is crazy but remember most most of the weight is because all your a lot of cells in your body have died and they have released water 
So you have lost a lot of water. water it, yeah. takes, it takes a lot of... It, it took me about six months to get back to my weight, but also to feel... Alive again. Alive again. Yeah, energetic. I was up. very lethargic. Mm. And to feel like everything in your body starts to work the same way that it was before, except mm. for your brain, but everything else is working well. We're clearly not meant to go up the mountain, are we? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, amazing. it is. You are not. We're not designed to, mm. to do that stuff. It's like um, when Sherpas Sherpas don't understand why we climb, and and when um, they ask uh, Mallory, um, why do we climb? And Mallory is just because he's there. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's something quote. you can do. Oh, that is a great quote. Yeah. So when everyone climbs the summit is it immediately k2 is that what most people start to think next no i think most of the people that climb um ever as they do it for a recognition you know they they want to do it because it's true uh they because everybody have, knows of everest yeah. hey, I climb it's, more, it's more to, to anyone that's not a mountaineer it's way more exciting to tell somebody like if i was to go climb everest and then go down the pub and tell people, hey, I climbed Everest. People would be stoked. They'd be buying mm. me beers, mm. yeah. jumping up and down. Mm. If I said K2, half the people wouldn't even know what I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of people feel themselves that once they don't get, uh, sorry, Everest. Conquer the world. What about, world. Um, what about, uh, have you seen the Jimmy Chin, Ren and Ozturk, Miru film? The film no. Miru? Miru is a peak in Pakistan that's, um, that had been previously, this is an absolutely unbelievable documentary, to be honest. Uh, it's actually, it's Jimmy Chin's, and do you know Jimmy Chin? He's no, a okay. National Geographic photographer, okay. but he's also a professional um, downhill skier and mountaineer, a mountain climber. And Ren and Ozturk is a mountain climber. And then there's a third third member of the party, um, Jimmy Chin's mountain climbing idol. I can't remember. Ren and Ozturk was a rock climber, actually. Anyway, it's the three of these guys, and they go out and they, they try and climb a previously unclimbed peak called Miru in Pakistan. And uh, it's a great documentary. Is that what about um, what about climbs like that? This isn't this isn't a height issue. This is a technicality issue. There's mm-hmm. it's that's called the Miru Peak is called the Shark's Fin, so it looks like a shark's fin, and it's like they're sleeping they're sleeping on the on the wall and stuff. It's proper rock rock climbing, mountain climbing. Um, yeah, what about stuff like that? So technicality rather than, I mean. K2 is still technical, very highly technical, but what about ones like that that aren't that high, but they're just such a intense climb? I, I, I think um, that's that's great achievement in, in mountaineering, um, but you need to dedicate your, your, your life to do that. Yeah. You basically put your, your heart and soul into doing something like that. Unfor- not unfortunately. I've, I've made all the decisions in my life, which is uh, travel the world and you know open my own company, all those things. Um, that has sort of changed that, but definitely, I think those guys are those those guys are great, you know, on what they do. But they dedicate themselves to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. That's a di- ins- that's a different level. That's a insane different level what they what they had, the the study of the route that they had to go and the the background that they had to do on it. The they had two or three failed attempts at it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic film for anyone who wants to watch it. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, so. I think. Um, do you want to try that new? Do you want to try that new segment, Tommy, that you've got? Yeah. Look, it's a. It's a. Should we talk about the book, of, the book of Creep? So yeah. we've got we've got rid of the book of Creep uh, for our listeners. Lasted a whole five episodes, and I liked it. We all liked it, but it sucked. It sucked, <laughs> and it was bizarre and weird. The take Basically, um, 
for you, uh, Gerardo. We had a segment called uh, The Book of Creep, and um, it was just basically a really short, disgusting creep story. Hang on, story. hang on. It wasn't, it wasn't short. Mate. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> short, yeah. Um, it was an awful, awful segment, and it actually ruined lives. <laughs> Tom, Tom just read for two days. No, I read for about 14 days. Yeah. You could have climbed Everest in the space of time that you had there. <laughs> but um, look, this? now this is uh, something called Did You Know? This is actually a little bit of a game for you guys. So I'm going to say um, a fact... And I'm going to give you an A, B, C, and you guys have B. the chess. <laughs> that is already wrong. <laughs> Get out. Fuck. Yeah. Go to the banyos. <laughs> and um, you have to basically guess which uh, which one is correct. Okay. So, for example. Um, we get it. Okay, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just want to be honest. Here. Yeah. All right. So, where did the word fuck come from? That is today's question. B, feelings under yeah, what constant. Was, what was A? Did oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do oh. We know it's not A. <laughs> uh, 17. <laughs> so A is feelings under constant corking. That is the abbreviated form or the acronym that apparently may or may not have could be. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, C is fucking... Hang on, the- what's B? Why am I keep doing this? <laughs> what is going on? A, B. B. A, B, C. B. Uh, oh, that's how it goes. That's right. B. <laughs> fucking Negro. Another place or name from Bristol in 1373. This was shown in 2007 quite persuasively to be one of the earliest instances. Okay. And C, another, uh, another acronym, fornication under consent of the king. Which one is it? Is it fucking Negro? Feelings under... I definitely gave it away, didn't I? <laughs> and it is C. What yeah. I honestly made it up. Fucking Negro. <laughs> What's that supposed to be? I don't know. A place or? Oh, it's a bloke. (laughs) (laughs) 1373. (laughs) So that's, uh, take that one home, guys. Fornication under consent of the king is where the F word came from. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So basically the history behind it, let me just quickly say is it. Um, Sex was outlawed and um, people had to put up on their doors um, that that they're um, making love or fornication or... Um, what's another way we can call it? Copulation was uh, was consensual. So F U C K came as fornication under consent of the king, and they uh, they weren't thrown in jail. How, how good is that? Good job, really? Very Thank nice. You. Thank you. That was a good, good little job. segment. Yeah, yeah, I like. See that. you later, Booker yeah. Creep. Yeah, <laughs> leader. Not just a pretty face. <laughs> face for radio. Um, alrighty, so we'll probably um, we'll quickly go over your uh, your next plan. So. I don't know whether whether this is um, directly after K2 or whether it's in planning or you mentioned a uh, trip to Antarctica you were going to yeah. elaborate. Yeah, um, I always, um, always have this idea of doing the Antarctica crossing, which means um, doing it unsupported. Yep. So going from one side of Antarctica to the other side of Antarctica. Um, I know um, a couple of Australians have done half of it um, basically gone in and then came back, but the crossing of it all hasn't happened. It's not that I want to do affairs. I just, I just Antarctica is something that has always appealed to me. Mm. Um, so how sorry. far is the how, how mm. far is that crossing? It's about two thousand kilometers. Now, when you say unsupported, how do you mean? Do you mean by yourself? Surely not. You, I, you honestly do mean by yourself. You, by yourself with a with a slide, and then on the slide you have all your food, and wow. then just, and you just pull it. And how long would that take? Could take a couple of days. It really <laughs> uh, it takes months. It takes uh, three to six months. So um, six months of just solitude, just 
left, right, left, right, left, yeah. right, just walking yeah. for days. Yeah. Now, yeah. What, what goes through your mind that, that you would want to possibly do something like this? <laughs> do, you have, do you have any mates? <laughs> <laughs> you want to be my mate? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Bring me look, a he speaks good Spanish. Uh, 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 <laughs> applications are open you at the moment. You never go without a bathroom around him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You make the tacos. <laughs> you, you need to come and try my tacos. Uh, yeah. Um, I... I, I <laughs> Do you have any mates? It's a, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very difficult question. Um, what goes through my mind with trying to do that? Um, I like adventure. I like uh, challenging myself. Oh. I like um, doing things that um, I know I'm capable of. And if I'm not, I know I can build myself to mm. do them. It's great. And prove it. Mindset. Prove to myself. I'm not, I'm not here to prove anybody that I can do something. I'm just here to prove myself yep. that I can do it. And, and that's always been in me. Um, and I know after K2, there's going to be something else that I want to do. And that's why it's, it's, it's in my mind at the moment. It's great that wow. you, you just said, I know after K2, given the, uh, the percentage of people that <laughs> don't make it. That's, I mean, that's a great, that just shows the sort of person you are. It's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there was no if, obviously. There was no if I. It's no, just, I know right. after K2, I'm going to be able to do this. There you go. Wow. That's I'll show us that. Thank Fuck. you. <laughs> um, all right, well... Should we should we go to nine to uh, nine from nine, mate? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to? So uh, we mentioned it earlier before. Or earlier before we mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> <earlier>. <laughs> uh, did I take you to Everest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that we uh, it's nine minutes, nine questions. Uh, all three of us ask three questions each. Yeah. And uh, trying to elaborate too long. Uh, it's meant to be pretty quick, seven. But uh, I'll start us off. Uh, my first question is: What is your morning ritual? Stretching. Mm. I always stretch right after I wake up. Yeah. For how and, long? Yeah, for about 20 to 30 minutes. Yep. Just getting all the core going, getting getting energized because there's going to be something coming. What time do you get up? Uh, about 6, 6.30. Okay. Then you stretch your 7, then you just conquer the day. And then just, yeah. Cool. Did you, sorry to uh, get sidetracked, did you stretch when you were at Everest as well? You do the same routine? Yeah. You, when it's, after after the sun comes out, yeah. yes, you get out mm. of your tent, get your uh, your mats outside, and then just do a little stretch. It's yeah, very cool. very important. Great. Uh, second question is: Do you meditate? I do. Uh, tell us a bit about. Um, I do. Um, I I really enjoy um, doing uh, yoga mm-hmm. um, whenever I can. I'm not very good at at keeping. Um, I'm not very good at keeping classes and going all that because I'm always looking for something else. Yeah. And I'm more like that. But um, I do spend a lot of time, especially when I'm. In that morning session, I spend a lot of time meditating about yep. the day ahead and and what I need to do to um, um, get through the day, but also most importantly, what I've done wrong the day before, so I can improve in the yep. day. Yep, great. Would have been amazing meditating on the top of the. Did you meditate at the top of the top of the mountain? I was. I was. He had no oxygen. I was. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was over. I was. You know, I was just looking around and I couldn't believe it. Yep. I was just good. I the 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 world was round. All the summits in the world. I was like, that's. That's uh, Makalu, that's Lotsi. That's it's my house. Hans. Yeah, it's my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's Mexico over there. Mom! Mom! Actually, actually, if you think... Meatloaf! Di- <laughs> <laughs> if, th- if, you th- if you dig a hole from Everest mm. uh, down to the earth, you'll end up in Mexico. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've heard that. Do you just yeah. take the scenic route? You've heard that, have you, you've heard that, have you, mate? <laughs> when I was on Everest, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so I've heard that before. Right? No, legit, <laughs> I, legit, I have. I think, I think I, Shut up. <laughs> and uh, third question is, uh, describe the best date you've been on or 
describe the best date idea that you would have. Good one. Date, as in with, with going out with a girl. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, or significant other. Uh, the best, I think the best one have been definitely um, sharing the passion for the mountains. And, and uh, there's been um, a couple of girls that actually have taken, without having any experience, mm. coming with me and pushing themselves to like first or second camps and doing great things like great. that. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard for them. It's, it's daunting. Uh, but seeing the reward on their faces when they get to that first camp yeah. and they're like, shit, I did it. Yeah. That awesome. opens up a good bond as well. Uh, isn't it just it? opens a whole new yeah. world. And you, well, go, you go, well, well. <laughs> do, you just, <laughs> do you just go in for the kiss straight after that? <laughs> well, well, this is really good. Arm around the shoulder. We're at we're at second base, yeah. so we may as well go for the ball. Surely you've used that yeah, line. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's good. Well that's done. Okay. Right. My uh, my question is. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm sorry, mate. It's gonna get harder. It gets harder. Is wondering why you're not going now, Bill. (laughs) You go, mate. You go. Okay. (laughs) So I normally I normally go next. That's fine. We could have gone, but anyway. So my questions are travel related. Yep. For anyone that doesn't know, and uh, we could spend hours and hours on your travel history. You've been to 87 countries. Yep. That's and you're. Do you mind telling how old you are? I'm uh, 37. 37. That's amazing. That's yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's that's one a country lot. a year. That's five people's. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. <laughs> uh, that's 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 yeah. insane. That's so amazing. Um, so this is going to be great to hear from you what you have to say uh, in regards to these questions. So my first question is: your f- that's going to be an impossible question to answer. You can give a few if you like. Your favorite destination, favorite place. Let's let's not use mountains as something to use as a as a crutch for this one because mm. I think that's what you would go to. I have a feeling. So let's say your favourite destination. It can be country. It can be a region. It can be a little small town. What have you got? Um, definitely France. Yep. Mm. Um, Paris. Uh, where? Ah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Paris. Paris. I I really enjoy the culture. I really enjoy the language. Um, and enjoy the food. Um, I've been 27 times to Paris, um, <laughs> just just because I, I've because on my previous job I used to travel a lot, and all the time uh, when, when weekends because I was I was spending a lot of time in Europe, so all my weekends were where do you want to go? Basically, open ticket, where do you want to go? And uh, uh, all the time I was France, going I was France. going to France. Yeah. Did you get you know? to the catacombs? No, was oh. was that? Well, <laughs> uh, I win. Um, so the catacombs is um, is in Paris, and it's I think it, I believe it's maybe twenty meters underground, and it's uh, it, it was a mining. I think it was like a limestone mine, possibly I, uh, I believe. And what happened was when the plague went through went through Europe and through Paris, they started stuffing bodies down there and using it as an extra it's place. It's more than to, twenty meters down. I went down there. I'm sure it's it more. more than, than, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, whatever it is. I mean, I'm. It's I, a fair way underground. Yeah, think, it's yeah. Very, it's it's very deep underground, and um and so yeah, they would they would use it as a burial ground, and then um it got to a point where the 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 leaders of Paris said we can't do this. This is this is just uh, um, insanity. So they took all the bodies out, and then what they did was. I don't know whether a little bit of time had passed. I think a little bit of time had passed and what they did is they went down and made artistic work of the uh, of the tunnels down there. So you walk through the catacombs in Paris and on your right-hand side, there's 
a wall of femurs. Yeah, and then also the skulls. Yeah, no, it'll, yeah. normally it'd be like, yes, but something like that, but it'll be like a, wa- uh, a wall made out of femurs and then there'll be skulls across the top and all this artistic work with um, human remains. It's one of the coolest... It was the coolest thing I did in Europe in three months. It was really... Because Europe... I didn't feel like I was out of my comfort zone at any point in Europe. When I was down there, I was like, this is fucking weird. Mm, yeah. mm, and yeah. spooky too. Yeah. One funny thing though, and this is really, really bad, but I saw a skull with a dick drawn on its forehead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Very nice. <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? And the next question. So the next question is um, favorite place you haven't been. Ah, favorite place. Uh, place that you want to go most your dream destination. Has to be definitely... Burma, Burma. Uh, and it's just because maybe related to the mountains but definitely uh, it's the Himalayan kingdom you know mm-hmm. um, it's it, it, I've, I'm very attracted to Buddhism as a philosophy and, and how people live and the happiness around it uh, and Burma seems to be one of those places that I'm missing on my list awesome um, and finally third question is if you were on a desert island and you had three things to keep you sane <laughs> So you've got all your uh, you've got all your essentials. Um, what are the three things that that you want most? Definitely need a ball. Something. Everybody to says a ball. Everyone keeps yeah. saying ball. Yeah. I thought you would have yeah. said mountain. <laughs> yeah, mate. No, just pack that in the suitcase. <laughs> you can do many things with the ball. You can get on the ball, climb it a hundred times. You know, <laughs> do, do that stuff. Um, definitely, you need a ball uh, to keep you sane. Um, Yo-yo, maybe. Yeah, are you? <laughs> ice cream. Yo-yo. Ice cream is not going to last too long. So Never any supply of ice cream. <laughs> Never any supply of ice cream. Now we're talking. <coughs> um, so you've got a can, ball. can I ask for somebody else to be there with me? Nah, it's not the object. But you can just write a picture on the ball. Yeah, exactly. Like Castaway style. Like, just, like that, yeah. that Wilson. movie, Wilson. Wilson. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know Wilson. Okay, you got a Wilson. You got a Wilson. <laughs> you got a Wilson. Um <sighs> that's a good one what do you take to well, so when you're climbing when you're climbing all these mountains in your kit bag have you got anything like you got books or you got uh, you got any personal items that you take I always have books I always have I have at least one book and I have um, um, a card game or something mm. but I usually play with somebody else if I'm by myself I don't play it did uh, you say you have one book one 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 book each time, or you have a specific book that oh when I get to base camp I have a lot and then when I go up oh, I just, just take I just take reading. one and then yeah. Um, I may have 10 in base camp and then the exchange starts between climbers because yeah, 10, cool. 10 books you go, Book you go through them very quickly that's so great. it's very cool yeah um, yeah I don't, can't think of anything else um, a Wilson and what was the other one? a, a Wilson a book <laughs> a, a book god that's like the most boring <laughs> island in the world uh, <laughs> two balls <laughs> two balls he's got a ball and a ball that he's named uh, Wilson um, you've got a book and you're when I say a book I'll get a dictionary because obviously you need something to keep you going, you know? Uh, and a, a dictionary of another language. So you're saying... Oh, right, French, right, right, right. French yeah, dictionary. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. A French okay. dictionary. I thought you were saying like you get to the pivotal end of the story Cat. and then you don't understand Cat. the last word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I am Lord Vold. <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, um, no, that's three. That's right, okay. Yeah, you're you're going going for it. He's yeah, getting great. He's very great. The source. <laughs> yeah. How about a tape measure? Uh, my question, my first question, my friend, is um, who was your biggest role model growing up? Um, well, definitely my friend that uh, climbed Everest before me. Um, he's 
um, ten, he was 10 years ahead of me and he was definitely my, my, my role model. You can um, shout him out, say his name if you like. Uh, Carlos Guevara. Oh, um, oh, Carlo. You know Carlos? No, I don't. But, but <laughs> you will now. Yeah, no, so, I'll uh, now. No, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy, um, a, a massive inspiration. He's now an ultra, ultra man and he's doing ultra mans around the world. Wow. Um, and yeah, any, anything that I do, I always sort of check in with him and and see if he gets brings any sand to me. Mm. Cool. What do you do in your downtime? <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of downtime, but uh, when I do, I enjoy cooking. I I'll, in before my before I open the restaurant, and now that I have a little bit more time with me, I I throw a lot of uh, Mexican parties. I really enjoy doing that. Uh, when people ask me like, "Hey, uh, uh, what are you doing next weekend?" I'm like. Oh, well, now we have a Mexican party. It's your place, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to the place and then throw big Mexican so parties. So you cook and tequila? I cook, I'll cook, I'll bring the tequila, uh, we'll have a massive night. Piñata? Yeah, yeah. Piñata? Yeah, why not? Oh, that's what awesome. What are you doing tonight? Um, I already have a Mexican party. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> We're but, uh, coming. But next yeah. time you want to have a Mexican car- party, just just give me a ring. Yeah, yeah. certainly will. And my final question is a bit of a tough question, um, yeah. so you can take some time to think about it, but not too long. You've only got 49 seconds now. <laughs> yeah. Um, if there were three people dead or alive you could invite to dinner or your Mexican party, who would they be <laughs> and why? Uh, I've been asked this question before. Um, oh. But <laughs> I, I've, I've, I haven't retained the, uh, the answers for this. Um, number one, I will... Yeah, this is a weird one, but I've always sort of wanted it. Um, I wanted to invite Hitler just to see what the hell is going on in his mind. Do you know what? This is really interesting. We spoke about this last podcast and we were sort of taking the piss out of it, but I'm so happy you said that because it doesn't make me sound as much of a dickhead <laughs> as, as, as I do now. I completely agree with you. I think it'd be, it'd be amazing. I think he was, he was a very smart person to get all those people, to really rally all these people mm. uh, to do what he was about to do. I, I just want to understand from his personality, what made him so strong, yep. you know, in, in, in doing all that stuff. In um, you're talking about before all the bad stuff, how he made Germany great or? Uh, yeah, I think during the time. Yeah. I think I, well, I wanted to know during the time what was, yeah, what what was, was happening, on. what yeah. was going on. Do you know there's a theory that, because um, he was an amazing artist and an amazing painter, one of the theories of why he um, really obviously didn't like the Jews was because he... Um, tried to get accepted into this this art school this really really beautiful pivotal art school and um there were many jewish people on the board and they denied him access into the school really yeah obviously i can't see that being the the main influence as to why it'll happen but that's an interesting theory yep. mm. another person uh is uh beethoven oh definitely um, beethoven beethoven sorry yep. beethoven um uh, sorry no no, no it's all right it's yeah. just no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm going to know what you meant. I'm going to. I'm going to go. I'm going to correct. I'm going to correct Spanish next time. No, yeah, no, no, no. I think. I think. <laughs> I'm, I think you probably pronounced it right and really eloquently. Yeah. And I would have said it the way you said it, Mac. Beethoven. 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 I think he was. He was a very smart guy again. Um, um, he went into this period of darkness um, where he was going deaf, and I want. I would love to understand. Um, a little bit more about him and what was going on in his mind and 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 that world. And so was he was he completely deaf when he wrote um, the ninth the ninth yes. symphony? Yeah, he apparently was he was getting yeah. there. I don't I don't know. It's, there's not that many records, anyways, to know how much deafness he mm. had. Um, it's amazing to think he can write one of the probably the the most beautiful symphony ever, and that everybody knows. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm. It's it's, it's amazing. And the other one is uh, Mallory. 
Um, mm. Because Mallory... And that's pronounced Mallory. Mallory. <laughs> sure it's not beef up? <laughs> um, because Mallory, um, he probably made it to the top of Everest. Maybe he was the first one to climb Everest. I would love to know if he did. Mm. I really, really would like to know if he did because... Mm. Um, George Mallory for the listeners. Yep. Yeah, because he disappeared into the, into the clouds and he maybe did. And maybe Hilary Stepp, it shouldn't be named Hilary Stepp. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Excellent answers. Really Thank good. you. So, um, that's pretty much all. Uh, he's got a, you want to plug anything? You're, yeah, you're, that's what uh, I was going to. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I want to plug anything. Fucked um, up last time. <laughs> so, so I did forget it last time. For so yeah, we just want to we want to know if you want to you want to give anything a plug, and then where people can find you if they if they want to find you anyway. Um, well, definitely, if people want to find me, and this is where the plug goes in um, um, at La Tortilleria. So La Tortilleria for those in Melbourne. Um, it's a very authentic um, Mexican restaurant that we opened three years ago with that idea of bringing authentic Mexican uh, food to um, Melvorians. I think Melvorians didn't want to have the typical Tex-Mex American Mexican food. I think they, they were ready for it. And it's amazing how um, Australians, uh, especially in Melbourne, have embraced authentic mm. Mexican food. Mm. Um, they, they recognize authentic flavors. Yeah. They, they want to have fresh. They want to have... They don't want to be stocked in... In, it has to be cheese, sour cream, um, refried beans. It's authentic. It's different, but it doesn't matter. You know, mm. they want to they wanna give it a shot. So um, you can always find me um, around either the restaurant or um, farmer's markets. Or Where's the restaurant located? The, the restaurant is in Kensington. Okay. And oh, you've, right. got a, you've got a website and, and yeah. uh, all the social media channels? Yeah, latortilleria.com.au. Um, Latertoria AU is uh, what we use for um, all the um, blogs. But if you Google Mexican, um, Melbourne, uh, Kensington, you'll yep. find it. You're yep. on. Beautiful. I hear great things. Um, well, that's pretty much it, eh? Mm. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. G-Lo. That's thanks, awesome. Thanks, thanks. For, uh, <laughs> thanks for a great, great chat. And that's a wrap. Hey, guys. Well, that's it. That's the end of our awesome chat with, uh, with Gilo Gerardo Lopez. We really hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did because we had a fascinating chat and we were riveted the whole time. He's a, a great guy and, uh, and really interesting to hear what goes through the minds of these crazy mountaineers when they're risking their life to get on top of that, uh, top of that peak. Anyway, um, if you like the show, subscribe and give us a rating and review on iTunes. So give us a rating and review. You just have to search us on iTunes Go to reviews and then click write a review. Give us five stars if you liked us. If you didn't like us, then don't give us a review. But it's very important to us if you do. Bumps us up the ratings. Um, also, if you want our show notes, head to www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash podcast. That means anything that was linked in the show, any people, any places, any resources, they'll be linked. You'll be able to check it out there. Uh, so head there and also... Don't be afraid to head on over and join our mailing list. That way you'll be up to date with all of our shows. You'll be up to date with all of Adventure Fit Travel's latest blogs, all of their latest trips that are getting released, our latest trips are getting released, and all that good stuff. So go out and do that for us, guys. But we also have to focus, uh, we also have to thank our sponsors before we go. So this podcast was brought to you by Audible. Audible for your free 30-day trial of a sick audio book like The Martian. That's what I recommend. 30 days free trial, free audiobook. What more could you want? Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. We're also brought to you by Loxam Solutions. Head to www.loxamsolutions.com.au for all your business support needs. 
Endio Subs also sponsored the podcast. Thanks to the guys at Endio Subs. You want your supplements, guys? Head to endiosubs.com and give them the uh, give them the code ADVF Radio for ten percent off. And lastly, we're brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. Get online, check us out. Come on a holiday, you'll love it. That's it from us. See you next week. See you next show. See you next. See you whenever. Bye.